0: open loops do open loops open loops open loops open loops, open loops. Open loops. Open loops. Open Loops, you must listen to The Open Loops, a theme park for absurd beliefs and systems of integration between the mind and the creative spirit. Open Loops.
1: Welcome to Open Loops with Greg Bornstein, Conversations That Bend, your late night talk show for your unconscious mind. That's right. This is a show that goes all around the fringes, the edges, the wild spaces between intellect and imagination. Because what is an open loop? Well, we'll get to that in a second. My name is Greg Bornstein. I'm your cultural hypnotist, curator of experience, soulscaper, and all-around looper. Yes, I have a passion to talk about all the things that, well, you're not really supposed to talk about. Paranormal, inner psychology, conspiracy, magic, hypnosis. Making the unconscious conscious. That is my mission. And on this show, my goal is to challenge your existing belief systems by bringing on guests to share radically unique ideas designed to stimulate your unconscious mind so that ultimately you can step into a higher version of yourself. Of course, that's exactly what an open loop is. It's an unconscious provocation. It is what comes after the cliffhanger? It is what makes you go, what is he going to say? What, what is she? How is she going to finish that story? It's leaving things open because if you have a curiosity and you can keep that open, my gosh, what wonderful, adventurous things you can explore. Today, we are going to go on an adventure. Yes. Today Sean Paul Shaner joins me on the show and we talk we talk Smack about capitalism. Okay, not really Smack. He he is a entrepreneur, uh CEO of Synergy Space, all that stuff he, he does a lot of uh, startup incubators and helps people with their pitches and very much in the in the area of really wanting to work with people that have ideas and and consciously consciously making those ideas something that manifests into real workable businesses. But the point of Sean paul shaner's work isn't just to go in and become this mark cuban type funding things talking about business systems all that stuff sure he can do all that but when i say conscious i really mean connected to soul yes because I couldn't just have a regular entre- I guess I could have an entrepreneur on this show. But what interests me about Sean Paul Shaner is that he is very much into breath work as a means of facilitating really successful entrepreneurship. I'm wondering how's that even how, what? How's that even possible? What's interesting is that he even references in the show, we we had a call before this episode that could have been an episode in itself. It was such such an interesting conversation. I'm very happy that I had Sean Paul on. We get into the intricacies of, well, what's an alternative to socialism and capitalism? We get into what breathwork is, can practically do to make a difference to people starting up a new business venture. We get into why people should drop out of their MBA programs, which he tells people all the time when they're getting their MBA. Very fun. And we also get into how Gary V. might be able to go a little bit further. Yes, yes. It is true that Sean Paul is now known as the Pranapreneur, bringing facilitated breath work, and not just the light stuff, not just the, oh, we're going to do mindfulness meditation at the office today. No, no, no. I mean the, let's go deep into your trauma and unpack some real, real burdens from your childhood. Let's release, he says in the show, Let's release demons. Breathwork out there does that. See, it's not just about conscious breathing anymore. It's about shedding the roots of your past that are bringing you down and doing it in a normally a nine to five business space, which I find so exciting he is on the front edge of making making this world a little bit more how should i put it human and especially in this time constantly bringing this time of awakening up people people's what's hidden under the surface rising to the top entrepreneur is all about that of course he might not lead with that when he's going into a session with people But imagine what just doing some simple breath exercises could actually do for your life if it really was able to tap into something great. I really like Sean Paul. He's got really warm, enthusiastic energy. You can tell he really cares about the people he's working with. And, hey, I didn't know what an entrepreneurial type of conversation on this show was going to sound like but it flows. It works. It worked for me. I enjoyed the conversation. And I had a simple but mind-blowing moment on the show, which I love having. That's my goal, to blow my mind and blow yours in turn. So you're going to enjoy this episode. If you know anybody else out there that likes these conversations, please make sure to share open loops conversations that bend with greg bornstein and if you don't want to miss an episode make sure you hit subscribe in apple Podcasts. and hey it always helps if you can rate the show and leave a review if you enjoyed it now without further ado here he is the Prana preneur. Well, 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 today on Open Loops, we have the Pranapreneur, Sean Paul Shainer. Pranapreneur, you say? What could that possibly mean? Uh, Well, we're going to delve into that and much more. First of all, Sean Paul, thank you so much for coming on this show.
2: Thanks for having me, Greg. Pleasure to be here. Yeah. Do, do, Do people usually go with Sean Paul or do they call you Sean? Hey, (laughs) you know, that's, that's a funny one. So my, um, just in the last couple of years, it's been, it's been Sean Paul. Um, My whole life, it was, it was Sean. And, and I think that's because I never really embodied my actual name because everyone used to make fun of me when I was a kid, you know, Sean Paul. Yeah. Like this kind of Jean Paul or French accent or something like that. Didn't deal with that very well when I was a kid. Do you feel like do you feel like
1: being (laughs) in this spiritual entrepreneurial space like Sean Paul is just something that naturally lends itself to that?
2: Uh, Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. I mean, I think it's um, I mean, it's my name uh, and, and I've always liked to embody it, but I definitely I definitely feel more me with it. Put it that way. But there's a lot of people in my life that would call me Sean. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, look, that's awesome. Well, look, Sean Paul, I'm going to go with it. I'm very curious for everybody listening. If you were to look at Sean Paul Shainer before the entrepreneur was birthed. Uh, you would see the startup, the startup coach, the uh, the incubator guy, the lot of coaching, a lot of business consulting. Uh, bit breath work is still in there, but also the thing that rings really it resonates with me because I'm always trying to figure out what is this thing for myself. The pitch coach, the elevator pitch coach, the person Mm -hmm. that can take someone that has a business concept, whether they're, I I imagine you've done it for people that are well into their business, as well Mm -hmm. as for people who are in the, I'm just trying to figure out how to communicate what this idea even is. Um, You know, you're able to come up with, here's how you frame this so people can really latch on. So, what is it? What is the Pranapreneur?
2: (laughs) (laughs) You know, I, uh. Great question, Greg. Um, you know, I'm 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 in the midst of of, of kind of embodying this. Um, but you know, as th- that was a great intro there with with startups and all that. I, I don't know if I could say that better myself. Um, all honored. I'm honored. Of the, I'm honored. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, all, all of these different aspects of 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 coaching and, and start and, and actually, there's a whole chapter before startups when when I actually spent about eight years running running golf events uh, in in Dubai and Oman. So. This might even just sort of be like a chapter three um, metamorphosis, I guess, but, but or, or, or more of a synergy. So if you break down the word prana, uh, pranor, so prana, you know, life energy, you know, this is what we, you know, key is also what it's called, like in qigong, um, it's, it's life energy. Um, that thing that we can't really measure, but it's here. Um, and also very, very, very uh, related to breath, Right. Um, breathing, you know, and we're breathing, it's, it's keeping us alive, right? So this breath, you know, we're here breathing and that's keeping us alive and it's giving us energy. Um, the, the preneur is obviously the second half of entrepreneur. So, you know, it, it speaks to a little bit of, I guess, as me being a entrepreneur, um, uh, just now starting to experiment and implement breath work in my coaching, um, to help, to help entrepreneurs, but, but also this kind of like be, you know, I'm, I'm kind of. I think we're all entrepreneurial on on the inside, uh, whether we're aware of it or not. Whether we're in that startup or whether we're working in a company, um, whether we're an artist or a poet or or you know wh- whatever it is that we are, we're entrepreneurial in the sense that we you know that there's this responsibility that we need to take care of ourselves, and there's this responsibility to to kind of shine out our, our purpose, and to do that, we sort of need to be pranaprenorial about the way we handle ourselves. Um, and, and also be preneurial with the things that we do, um, you know, entrepreneurs, we're, you know, no fear, uh, got to go out and get it. Got to go talk to strangers. Got to go find that connection. Um, have to be okay without knowing, without knowing the steps forward, right? That's essentially what, what entrepreneurs are doing with their startups. I mean, sure. Everybody's right. got an idea of what they want to do, but you know, if you start talking to the you know, successful founders, you know, very rarely is that, Business, you know, the actual business or the actual product that ended up launching, that ended up getting successful, was was probably nowhere near what they actually started with, right? right. So, and, and that's sort of the biggest, you know, in corporate in businesses, you know, it's sort of nine to five, you know, you got a boss, they tell you what to do, and you're good to go, right? You don't have to go through this process of trying to figure it out, you know. It's like it's like in business school. Yeah. They they gave you these yeah. they gave you these exercises of supply and demand numbers and 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 then the price is $1.45. But but nobody ever thought to ask, like, okay, well, where did that supply number come from? Or where did that demand number come from? Or how did we even figure out what product to even put into the market? Right. So that whole process of like, I don't know, call it, I mean, call it beautiful chaos. Yeah. Which is just like life, right? Beautiful chaos. We need some tools to help us along the way, right? And, and if we can be entrepreneurial about things, if we can try to be curious, if we can, you know, think a little bit differently for lack of a better way of saying it, you know, then, then we've got a chance to be able to be kind of uh, malleable and be flexible with the environment that's around us. Um, yeah. same, way, same way that I think that we, we with our bodies and, 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 and the way that we handle ourselves, the way that we talk to strangers, the way that we talk to our friends, our family, um you know needs to be a little bit of love in there a little bit of flexibility a little bit of a little bit of prana
1: (laughs) yeah well you know what's interesting and and you know we've had a prior conversation before sean paul about all these kind of topics uh i in general the sense i get from you that might be at least what hooks my interest the the sense i get is that there you definitely have uh, in the undercurrent of all of this i feel like you are challenging the notions that people are most commonly accepting when it comes to how people should go about learning and running businesses. If someone was like, Sean Paul, fix business school in the world, (laughs) like you would have a way of doing it. I mean, have you thought about
2: that kind of level of uh, reform? You know, it's, you know, Greg, I had a conversation two days ago with a professor from a, from a local university here. Um, he's actually a part of a, a, a part of a team that I'm coaching, and he's kind of like, we need to take these type of workshops and this stuff that you're doing into universities, so that the university departments and the professors will communicate and work with one another, because they're all <laughs> working in different silos. Um, and and that's it's so interesting that you ask. I mean, yeah, and I and, I, and I'm definitely going to quote you on how you on how you worded what it is that that, that I'm that I kind of like to do, because I think you're right, right on point. I want to kind of change change the norm. I mean, the system, the system that we're in is, is old. It, it requires something new. Um, and, and within universities, within schooling, within business school, absolutely. I mean, I, I think it's such a missed opportunity that we're not, we're not teaching students how to be entrepreneurial, whether that's, whether you're an engineer or a scientist or, you know, an actual business student, like how do we get people to Mimic in school what happens in the real world because I mean I, I graduated with with a degree in finance I didn't learn anything about about building a business um, right and it's such and it's such a big opportunity in universities I mean there can be co co departments working together every university I I always encourage startups to go get university students because there's always a student that has an engineering project they need to do uh you know I don't know they they need to they need to build something they need to three D print something and I see such big opportunity for for this m- mix between academia and and entrepreneurship and startups and 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 corporates and businesses that that need some help you know because to be honest is you're probably better off throwing a 22 year old you know into the mix who who hasn't been conditioned yet
1: interesting interesting yeah
2: <laughs> yeah well and i even think
1: about holistically looking at what happens with uh P- ceos anyways the best example i can think of is uh on mad men um you have roger sterling and Bert cooper the guys that own this madison avenue agency you have one guy that's a little more uh, i mean roger sterling he's a little more social but then you have Bert cooper who's a little more mystical a little more spiritual and it's like you always you always meet these kind of guys that at the top of the company they They like going on meditation retreats and they like referring you to mindset, uh, mindset, advice and, and, and wisdom from like a higher, almost self-development perspective. And I'm going, that's great that these people had to work through the grind and then get to the top. And then all of a sudden they're starting to reflect on what it all means, but why not start there? Like, what? why aren't people coming from a spiritual basis first and then building business rather than having to reach a certain point so they can afford to buy a Kindle and get all these books and learn about what they've actually made? That's where I'm sitting there wondering how early in the process do, does it, do you have to be all grind, grind, grind first or is there another way in?
2: you know, the, the title chief of Zen starts to come up to play, you know, it's like chief chief executive officer. We should start having chief of Zen.
1: Yes. Yes,
2: totally. um, You know, (sighs) know, what comes to mind on that question? Very good question. You know, I think we need mm, definitely as early as possible, we need to start hitting down on, on some real, Fundamentals, and, and I mean fundamentals like you know it's it's okay to cry, it's okay to be vulnerable, it's okay to have feelings, um, because I think that's something that we're not encouraged to do. So right, somebody cries, oh shut up, you know, yes. oh, don't worry about it, right? So so as kids, we're really not we're really not encouraged to kind of to kind of feel, um, and you know that right there could be a whole curriculum, you know. Starting from kindergarten, right, and and just kind of you know, hey, it's okay to cry. It's okay to be like this. You know, and I think there's a lot of tons of studies are showing that you know pe- people who are you know lashing out with with anger later in life were like the super quiet ones who were held down, right, and and weren't allowed to to, to let that out. Wow. Um, but but it's like you know, there is a learning in pain and there's a learning in, in failing right so you know i think most you know zen masters or whatever you want to call it, anybody who has felt like they've, they've come to some sort of a conscious understanding of themselves have gone through some pain so you're not gonna you know it's, it's in that pain that that forces you to reflect and look on something a little bit differently look on yourself differently um, you know, ooh, was it something that I did that that, that 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 made this happen? Is it something that they did? Um, you know, why did this happen to me? You know, kinds of things can be these breaking moments that people have. And I think if you you know speak to most people that that feel like you know that they're on. I mean, it's always all relative. You know, some sort of conscious path. But there was some sort of a pain moment. There was some sort of a defining moment that happened. So I don't think you're going to get your defining moment out of a book. Put it that way right? You, yeah. You're not going to, you're, you're not going to, you're not going to get that defining moment by watching some, you know, by listening to the Open Loops podcast, you know, right. or, or watching a whole bunch of YouTube videos. But, um, but I think that the, we need, it's more of the training in how do we help people respond to those things when they do happen, right? I mean, the universe is going to, you know, it's going to nail you on things and lessons that you need to learn i mean that's sort of how i feel what's happening where we are what's going on i mean if we need to learn a lesson about something if, if if we're not humble you know universe is somehow going to find a way to force you to to figure out that you need to be humble you know or you need to be open um and these things are always going to go and always going to go and always going to go but if we live in a society that's always saying hey you're perfect hey you're perfect uh, you know, you got a 9.8 8 out of 10, you should be doing a little bit better and everybody's okay and okay and okay and okay. Then we start to get into this into this like perspective where perfection is supposed to be, is what we're striving for, right? When, which is like totally missing the point. I mean, you could right. fail an exam, you could fail an exam or fail a startup or make a huge mistake inside a, inside a business or, or whatever it is. But if you learn from it, You didn't do the same dumb shit again. And you actually reflected on the inside and said, wow, what is it about that that went wrong? And how can I make it quote unquote better the next time? You know, then I think we're starting to hit on something that we can, that's a tool, right? I mean, what else are we going to do? You know, I mean, (laughs) otherwise, otherwise, otherwise something happens, we get angry about it. We get pissed off. We start probably blaming other people so that we don't even need to look at ourselves. And I think that's what a lot of us do. Right, we're just going to blame, 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 blame. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, I don't know, man. We got to we got to, I don't know. These are good on- lessons for sure. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't know. Um, it, it does make me wonder if I and constantly I'm questioning the entire system just because I see the traps that happen once you're in it. I'm always going, oh, well, what if school was different? What if, what mm-hmm. if, what if our very idea of community was different? One of the things I brought up on the show is making sure you handle parenting earlier or, yeah. or what would happen if parents were so good that the trauma that therapists and coaches are paid billions of dollars yearly, collectively, to resolve weren't a thing because we were just getting parenting right. I don't think we could ever get that perfect, but I do wonder what the world would be like if we were coming from higher consciousness in the first place before we had to repair all the things that happened when they weren't. I think that's very idealistic thinking on my part, but I'm curious, do you think there is any sort of stuff that... Yeah, I mean, look, imagine you try train these kids to be okay with the vulnerability. What would a startup incubator look like?
2: Oh yeah, I'm I'm so I'm ha- so happy you just said that because while you're going on that, I'm like, well, you know, we can make an accelerator around that, right? Um, you know, there, there's it doesn't seem too far fetched to be making a, a global accelerator or a global incubator around parenting. You know the the value. Yeah. Pro- yeah. The value proposition in such a thing will be pretty epic, right? I mean, you know, you're you're going to be learning how to deal with some of your trauma, and 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 if you and and I think all parents want to pass on or leave behind uh, an open, um, high potential world for their children, right? So you know, you could easily run people through through you know parents through through some sort of program like that. Um, you know, this is this is where I think that entrepreneurship is such an epic tool, right? I mean, just because that's might sound ideal doesn't mean that it's not hitting the value of the people that would use the accelerator, right? It's it, it's like I just watched the the Peter Joseph's new documentary, Inner Inner Reflections. Um, oh, that, I haven't seen it. You know, and and it was and it's all talking about you know. Money, 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 and the argument for the money system is that the money system is the only way that, 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 that we can measure value, right? So, and 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 then everything is measured through through money. But if that's what I mean, that it might be an ideal thing to think that we could change the world by changing parenting. But that's probably because it. it you look at it you're like, well, how do I make money out of that? Right. right. We're not we're not looking at the value that would be a knock on effect of all of the kids being able to open up uh, in 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 a different in a different world. Right. So so we need new mechanisms to to measure value. Um, and, and actually, I mean, just 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 measuring the detrimental effect that the things that we do have on the system when we build something just a company, just just accounting for negative effects, which no business does. Right. There's no one like I think I read something is I think no business in the world, if you accounted for the negative environmental, social, economic effects that a, that a company, a business actually has in their products, no business on the planet is actually, quote unquote, making money. Or generating value, right? Oh, that's no, pretty mind blowing. Like, it, yeah, go into that a little more. Yeah, I mean, if you take, I mean, you know, it's like Apple. Oh yeah, we're we're, we're using sustainable parts and 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 all and all right. these different things. But you know, I mean, if you started digging down into the actual factories, the actual people who are working there, the actual knock-on effect of everything that's happening. Um, the knock-on effect of the governments working together in order to have that land, which we end up taking from the country because they couldn't afford a loan yes. to them by the World Bank, right? This whole thing, the, the overall effect is just, is just detrimental, right? The system itself wants, I mean, we're supposed to sell, we're supposed to sell stuff at the highest profit at the least cost. Yes. And if, and if we don't take into account actual cost, right? The mathematical equation is wrong. Right. And I think that that's what we're, you know, that, that's sort of what the documentary was talking about a lot too. Like, I mean, they were joking, they, they were having interviews with people in 2150, talking about our revolution, our time right now, and being like, how did these people not see this? Right. Wow. <laughs> wow. You know, how did they not see this? It's so mathematically obvious. But but it's it's so we need examples of ways to do things differently. Right. And 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 when we I think by showing people that there is a way to do something different, right? So take the challenge of finding value and giving parenting uh, an accelerator. Like that could be a global phenomenon, Greg. And like let's go run it. You know, like <laughs> yeah, man. Well, look. You know? I mean, at the end of the day, it's, and I
1: agree <laughs> that there's value there. Uh, And I, I think entrepreneur is so, at least in the United States. And I, I'm going to say, okay, look, you know, I, I know you have done things. You come from, you come from the U.S., right? Aren't you from here? Uh, half,
0: uh,
2: American Norwegian, so half.
1: half. You have to okay. I know you're not based in the U.S., and I feel like <laughs> that's a good thing in this case, just because <laughs> here it's like entrepreneur and money is equal. Oh, man, it is entrepreneur, cash, people in their Instagram profile. I'm an entrepreneur. Right, right. I'm an entrepreneur. Yeah. First of all, what is entrepreneurialism and, and sustainable entrepreneurism or being an entrepreneur, like in a sustainable way? What is it beyond money in your mind?
2: You know, two, two, two aspects kind of just come to mind there first one. One is, you know, these is circular economy type models. where where we're trying to not need to produce more value, but keep the products moving inside a cycle so that we're not endlessly producing, like um, like renting clothes, for example, right? Mm. Like, so instead of mass producing more clothes, we can rent clothes and, and, and move it down a chain of customers over and over and over and over again right so we've got these small little kind of models um, you know i don't know blockchain also comes to mind and and i think here in the next you know hopefully soon in the next 5 10 years even you know whatever next couple of years somebody's going to start to realize that this blockchain can be used to have people earn money by doing stuff you know earn i mean we've already do it like you know i could earn money by letting my computer number chunk and 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 let it right. file storage right but like you know what about what about letting you know, what about paying me to, to exercise? And if you pay me to exercise because it tracks it on, 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 a chain, the actual movements of say a wheel, right. And that exercise could be proven to the government that it actually makes me healthier so that then the government spends less money on healthcare. So it actually makes more sense just to give me some more cash. Oh, I love you that. Know, so these are new. Yeah. Right. I mean, like they there. I mean, I think there's, there's already, I think it's in Russia or something. There's a, there's a train station where people can go hop on a treadmill, you know, and move up and down and da, 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 for like two, three minutes. And it accrues enough energy that used to power the building to give them a train ticket. Wow. Right. Yeah. Super cool stuff. Right. So, but, but it's like, if you look at it from this normal economic point of view, it's like, well, how do we make money on that? Right. Yeah. And we don't make money on that, but there's a value to the system by doing it. Right. But it's an example of something. So, you know, I think there's a there's a few steps in here that we're starting to play around with sustainability, startups, circular economy, startups, businesses. I mean, even just corporates and businesses trying to be more conscious of, of the waste that they're creating, but it's still not um, all encompassing and enough if you're still measuring things by the dollar and the bottom line. Right, right, right.
1: I'm wondering, Sean Paul, how are you living off of that? (laughs) You don't have to tell me, but I am curious. These ideas are amazing. (laughs) We all need to move to Europe so we can survive off of the socialism gets a bad rap in the US. And I don't quite think you're saying that. But at the same time, even if you were, and it was a great promise. I'd be open to it. I'm kind of curious, how do you live a comfortable life where you get to experience new things, things that in the U.S. were like, oh, you need a lot of money to be able to enjoy that? Does that concern you, A, and B, if it doesn't, how are these new economic models making it work so that you can have a fine quality of life?
2: Well, that, that's 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 a lot of loaded questions there. Are, are, <laughs> I know I
1: gave you two of them. I know. you, know, that,
2: that, you might you might need to remind me. Are, are we are we are we talking looking from a perspective that Europe has more of this stuff going on? Is that the assumption?
1: Oh, I guess it was my assumption. I'm just imagining you're living <laughs> in a dream world, but I don't know. <laughs> Maybe you're not like no. it, it no, doesn't feel I mean, like these ideas would fly in the US given the way the power structure is so no. about the elite group of people who want to keep their taxes cut and sure, sure.
2: I mean, I mean you see, I, I don't know. I mean but I think it is possible. And I think that there are aspects of these things happening. I mean, I don't know. Take for example, Brave.com, the the web browser. They 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 have they have a cryptocurrency called the basic attention token. Okay, so they block all ads, but they let in ads from from suppliers that are part of their network. Okay, so currently now, when I click on their ad or I see their ad, I earn a little bit of basic attention token. Okay, now in phase two of what they're going to do, people like Nike, for example. I'll upload to my system, okay, I'm 37 years old, I like basketball and I'm in the market and and I'd like to buy some basketball shorts, right? Right. Now, Nike, this is how we can play the system, right? And this is why Brave is an interesting example. Now, Nike currently in their marketing schemes are playing a game where they spend a whole bunch of money on marketing and they try to hit a, a certain percentage hit rate or a certain, you know, maybe 2%, 1%, whatever that may be that somebody ends up buying the shoes. That's because they don't know that I'm 37 and that I'm looking for a pair of shoes. But if right. I can tell the system anonymously that I am, all of a sudden I'm a 100% target hit rate. So the argument here is that they'll actually end up be paid. I might get paid 15 bucks just to click on the link. Oh, interesting. Right? Yeah. Oh, definitely. And and this this is the stuff that, 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 that that's here. You know. And I mean, take 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 the exercise example. I mean, just because that's happening in Russia, and 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 I know for a fact that something like that is happening here in my own town. Um, That doesn't mean that you can't go get 10, say, Gatorade, uh, I don't know, Under Armour to invest and sponsor into a startup company, right, that actually measures this activity because those sponsors see value in being able to get FaceTime or attention from those people who are getting activity. Right. So so I, I guess I'm challenging your question a little bit, right? I don't think that this is a European or, or a non-European or American thing. I think it's just that people aren't, I think we just need new ways to think about new models.
1: I guess but, I just wonder, is somebody at the end of the day sitting in a castle counting all the money they made off of this?
2: Hmm. There are definitely people sitting in castles, <laughs> but but you see, I think what's what's so cool about these newer types of models is they've got they they've got I mean they got a lot of silver linings, but one main silver lining that they all do have is social collaboration, social communication. These right. models of, of blockchain works because the power is going back to the consumer, right? I mean that brave advertising model is exactly what can kill Facebook, because with Facebook you're you are the product, yes. right? You get a free product. And everyone's always wondering, oh, are you listening to me on the phone? And, oh, you just showed me this ad for dog food when I've never searched for dog food in my life, you know, but I had a conversation about dog food with a friend yesterday, yes. right? Like, like you're the product, right? So th- th- there's all these, you know, th- there's all these things that have value in working together. Circular economies only work together if different partners are working together on a common theme, right? The advertising model only works together if we collectively go into a system that says, hey, I'm going to anonymously give my profile information out. So there's all this social collaboration. That's why blockchain gets a lot of, I mean, it gets a lot of heat because it doesn't have any, it, it hasn't had any real applications, good real applications into the normal consumer world outside right. of data and tech and things like that. But it's collaboration. And and that that's sort of where I like to coach a lot with a lot of my teams, right? You're a startup, you're early, you don't know where you're going, you don't have any money, um, it's very common here and I don't know, many other places, you know, we think that we just need to put together a pitch deck so that we can get investment of a million dollars so that then we'll be successful. Right. Okay. Now it's like, just give me a million and I'll be successful. But this is so upside down. You've got to be able to create value early on. And the quickest, easiest, fastest way to create value early on is to partner up with other people that fill the gaps that you don't have right? You, 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 you find, you find a pilot customer, you find an engaged company that, uh, that really resonates with your, with your mission statement, with your value, with your product. And you see that there's value of working together, right? So, you know, this working together piece, I think is what it holds, holds a gem. Um, yeah, certainly. And, and and then you sort of get into the you know that CEO you're talking about right like that actual human CEO at the top, sitting with all this cash, you know what what incentivizes that person to think differently, what incentivizes that person to say, um, hey let's go try some sort of collaborative model. I mean if you're already profitable and you're already making money then why bother, right? And and, and I think there's a lot of there's a lot of that. Now, maybe this is sort of where Pranapreneur starts to come into play a little bit is um, if that CEO could go through an experience, say through Breathwork, where... He or she goes through, uh, maybe re-experiences some old trauma or has a realization of, of um, I mean, I don't know, let, let, let's say the person realizes that for the last 25 years, the person has absolutely been um, uncommittal to any sort of relationship because that person was hurt 25 years ago by one human being, right? right? Maybe it was a partner, maybe it was a maybe it was the high school girlfriend, you know, that just broke this person's heart and it was hurt so bad that throughout the rest of that life, unbeknownst to the CEO along life, hasn't ha, hasn't realized that he's actually been pushing people away, not being open, um, and just plowing down. Let's say go to business school, go to Harvard, get the master's, uh, go get the job, you know, right. the internship, and, then, and then you go up the ladder, you go up the ladder, and then the next thing you know, you're a CEO of a company. Right. I think that happens more <laughs> often than not. But if say you have an experience where you have this realization, which, which believe me is very common in, in, in say one breath work, two, five, you know who knows? Everybody's a little bit different, but there are these core things that people can realize. If you internally realize, if that if that CEO has a, a conscious realization of self and sitting at the helm of a company that has a whole bunch of cash that could think differently, that works with 500 different suppliers and could easily throw together a Let's say a pilot project of parent acceleration. Right? Yeah. Now you've got opportunity. Like now you they've got all these assets. Like, I'm not, I'm not one of these, hey, like I think entrepreneurs and startups need to work with corporates in order to change the world. Because it's the corporates and the corporates that have engineers, scientists, skills, know-how, money, employees you know, if you look here in Norway, I mean, our, our lack of a better term, energy company, you know, used to be known as as an oil company. Okay. Literally, is one of the most powerful companies in the world. If you look at skills, engineers, money, availability, the amount of suppliers that they, that they know, you know, innovation should be sitting at their doorstep. Right. And, And I think, but but the innovative idea, the innovative play, how to do a workshop, how to think about ideas, how to get outside the box. Yeah, you probably need to throw a few entrepreneurs and a few facilitators, you know, like me or people like me who, who go in and try to get people to think a little bit differently. But with that magic together, right? I think I think that's where we can start turning these ideal ideas, you know, into things that are like easy and totally tangible. And if you add that on top of like, you know, getting some conscious executives or people, heads of departments or, or the entrepreneur to, to realize that we are all one, we are all connected. And if we embrace that connection, if we find ways to work together, then, then getting every single parent to go through a a conscious acceleration of dealing with your own shit program isn't difficult. You know, figuring out how to how to just you know making a mandate that every single product that's going to be made is 100% recyclable you know changing changing politicians views like like imagine what you could do you know talk about like being able to change the world you know it's like what if you could go get the whole like congress you know or the house of representatives to do a mass breathwork you know you go like throw them on an island you know <laughs> you give them a whole bunch of breathwork and you give them a whole bunch of ideation workshops yeah cut all the red tape yeah imagine the power imagine the power right that's what i was going to propose <laughs> to
1: you i was about to ask do we need to trick jeff bezos into a breathwork session right.
2: You know, exactly. To fix America.
1: I think that would actually might fix America. Seriously. I mean, this guy is so much. I mean, look, I again, I'm not going to say I'm a socialist. I'm not. Actually, I don't even know what I am. I'm I'm all sorts of things. But I definitely think that when I see the example that they gave in The New York Times, where you scroll through like this is how long it takes to scroll through the size of the average American income. And then here's Jeff Bezos. Jeff Bezos and it was probably 70 times as long to scroll through that entire length of cash. I'm going, you know, Amazon is doing pretty well right now. And a lot of people in the U S aren't, it would be nice if people and not just Amazon at, at all these big companies, it would be nice if they just had a little more perspective, I think. I mean, I I don't know.
2: Hey, of course, Greg, right. It's, it's, it's like, I mean, I don't know what the 1% own the, I don't even know what the number is now. Top 1% owns 88% or 90%. So, 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 you know, isn't it funny how like most people just kind of like, oh yeah, that's right. You know, but do people take the next step and actually analyze and actually think about what that means? Because if, you know, if Jeff Bezos, he's got all the cash in the world, right? Do we know about any awesome, I mean, is Jeff Bezos funding the parenting accelerator? is jeff bezos i mean i guarantee you he's got a zen zen uh person up there taking care of his mindset yeah i guarantee you he's got i guarantee you he meditates i guarantee you he has some sort of regiment that takes care of his body and that he and and that he reflects and he does all these different things i guarantee you right so if if that profound experience and or just through his success and then you're not taking that money back into society or into projects or into anything else. You know, one, that's obviously an issue, right? The, you know, one, but but the second one, we're not, if we're still buying stuff from Amazon, we must understand that we are all one. So just because Jeff Bezos has all the money in the world, we are buying products from Amazon. So every right. single time we interact with these situations, we have to take responsibility. Right? Look, that's this goes, interesting. This goes in everything that we do, right? We can't bitch about something that's not happening. Like by bitching about something that's happening, we're basically saying that we are separate from, from from them. We are separate from something else, and it has nothing to do with me. Right? Which is totally not the case. I mean, I mean, we're already proving the point about pollution and sustainability and plastic in the ocean. You know, you do something in the States, it comes over to Europe. You know, you do something in China, it's going to come over to the States, right? You know, it, it's it's going to happen, right? But so, you know, are, are people consciously making the decisions that they can do in their everyday life, right? I mean, this isn't about boycotting Amazon, right? Or maybe it is, but right. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you know, let's do it right on right here on the podcast, you know. But but it's it's like the the conscious decisions that we're making, you know, do we understand that they have knock-on effects in our personal life? Do we understand that they have knock-on effects in our business life, in our in our startup life, our corporate life? You know, if if we had a way to see all of that right in front of our face, I bet you most people, actually probably everybody, would say, whoa, we can't do that anymore. But we're yeah. too distracted. We're too distracted. We're running around with phones. We're we're we can't think, right? We don't. We we don't. We, I don't know. I think it's. I don't know, man. I think I saw a statistic that it was like the average American spends, I think, between five and six hours on social media a day. You know, and in Europe it's probably it, it's maybe about the same or more or less, whatever. But we're just not paying attention, right? So if we start looking at like. You know, I don't, we, last time we talked about conscious entrepreneurship, you
1: yeah. know,
2: what's, you know, and and I think there's something, you know, between a, you know, pranapreneur type of style of coaching and conscious entrepreneurship, you know, it can mean a lot of different things. One, if you if, if you're, if you're building, if you're building um, or let's take it from a personal side. So if you're a conscious entrepreneur about everything that you're doing, you are conscious of yourself, you're conscious of your body, you know, so you can be consciously paying attention to everything you're putting into your body. You're paying attention to how you're, create, you're, you're taking care of your vessel, you know? I mean, if we don't take care of our vessel, how is it that we can do anything else? You know, like, I, I really like, like, if we want a real revolution on this planet, and believe me, I'm definitely not the first one to say this. I mean, this has been ancient traditions and gurus, and for thousands and thousands and thousands of years, have been saying this. Like, deal with yourself first. Yeah. Heal yourself first. And if you're always healing and dealing and reflecting and resonating and coming from this place of yourself, now you have the space to either, you know, be a nicer person to the people that are around you, build a conscious business, build a business that isn't built on the back of devaluing or built on the back of waste. And you can start to have ideas of how do we build something Like the best things to build are the things that didn't cost anything to make, but that created a lot of value, right? And if we take, you know, and that's where collaboration comes into place. That's where partnerships start to come into place. Just like a human being. I mean, we don't do very well in a locked up room. We're going to go nuts. We need to communicate with other people. We need connection. We need discussion. We need podcasts, you know, like there's so much value in, 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 in a conversation, right? Yeah conversation has so much value in a business. I mean, there's a rampant issue here in Norway with entrepreneurs refusing to actually just pick up the phone, you know, do, do the American thing, right? Like cold call, pick up the phone, try to talk to a, you know, Hey, we're doing this. What do you think about that? Would it be cool? Do you want to meet? Is there something we could do together? You know, we just like have an allergy to that. Really? I wonder yeah, what that is. It is Why you know, it? a lot of, a, a lot of your, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, they, they, there's, I, I would probably lump in, I mean, I do, I do a lot of work in Switzerland that if, if they're listening, they're, they're probably laugh a little bit. They're shaking their head. Yes, we know, you know, Switzerland, Norway, uh, Finland, you know, some of these Nordic countries, um, we're just a little bit, um, uh, I don't Is like it use- invasive. Does it feel invasive to do that? Or so it's, it's, you know, it's funny. It's, it's the, it's, and I had this said to me, uh, on a webinar the other week, uh, Sean. Yeah, but I don't want to come across as American. Uh, that's what I was going <laughs> to say. What is the
1: deal with that? Why I <laughs> See, I always thought Europeans were so, they're friendlier than at least, well, I, I live in New York. So, you know, you hear that uh, anywhere might be friendlier to people. But yeah, that's, that's strange to me. Uh,
2: there's, it's just funny, you know, like in the States, right? Hack, hustle, California, let's go get it. Let's go, let's go hustle. Right. right. Uh, but, but then, uh, but then on the flip side of that is, is, is where I think you see a lot of things that happen, especially here in Norway, where the flip side of that is to make sure that everything is perfect. Everything is in line. Everything has been thought about. And it takes a long time and then we'll be perfect. Right. Okay. So, but, but in the startup world, that doesn't work very well because then you end up getting companies that are, you know, startups that are sitting in an office for a year and a half, and they actually didn't never spoke to a customer,
0: but they got funding
2: from the government and they do this. They get funded from the government to sit, to sit in the office, thinking about all the things that they're going to do. And then they, and then they end up building something that they didn't necessarily, that customers actually didn't want. Right. Totally. you know, somewhere in between, I think would be nice, Greg, right? That there's something to be said. I don't think that we should all be faking it until we make it. I think that we can tell a genuine story. And this is kind of where conscious on, you know, conscious entrepreneurship, I think we can tell it, tell a genuine story from a founder side when we're building a business from what means something to us, what we care about, what we want to see in the world, right? I spend a lot of time in the pitch coaching talking about vision and story, right? People, you know, people really don't care what, you know, unless they know you care. Hmm.
0: Hmm.
1: What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What is like, uh, wow. I mean, uh, can you give a, an example from that, from a recent pitch session of yours? Like, like, how have you, how have you helped make that shift for someone or a group of people?
2: You know, well, oh yeah. Okay. I, I had, I had, um, I had a founder in an accelerator that was, that was running, um, running a drone company. Okay. And this was a drone, drone maintenance company. Um, and, and this is early on in the accelerator. And I sort of have these little radar, I have these like feeling radars, you know, I just not feeling that this <clears throat> person is a drone geek, for example. Right. Like I don't right. think this person is like embodying drones night and day and having dreams about flying through the, you know, Yes, turbines and things in their drone. So I'm not getting that feeling, you know, so I sort of dive into these little strategy sessions where I, where I where I really try to question people's why. Right. Do you care? What do you care about? and Why? And all these different things. Um, and, and somewhere along the line, you know, and, you know, actually, it's really funny. It doesn't take that many whys to to, quote unquote, break people.
0: Yes. Uh, yes. It, it
2: really it really actually doesn't. Um, and, 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 and more often than not, you get to some sort of like, ah, oh, you know, I really wish I could just do this and make money. And I got one of those comments out of this person. Oh, I really wish that I could do this thing. You know, I was like, what's this thing? Well, you know, uh, for the last, I don't know. For the last fifteen years, I've been inviting twenty or thirty uh, friends and and family and people over to my house. We do a house party. I put together uh, I, I put together a, a murder mystery scenario. We all talk. We we figure out who the murderer is and all these different things. And I was like, "Tell me a little bit more about that." She's like, "Well." you know, then we bring props and we do these different things. And based on what some people do or what they don't do, it changes the story. And I make like 15 different versions of this story. You know, and I'm thinking to myself, you're making the versions of these stories, like written out, like, wow, these are a lot of different technicalities that you're putting into yeah. Place. You know, and she's been doing this for years, you know? And I was like, what did you do in your previous job? And it's funny, this person was actually a part of that oil company I referred to earlier. It's like well, I ran, I ran a lot of HR and ran an admin. I managed people, uh, I managed different spreadsheets, and all you know, basically like an organizer. All the stuff that I hate doing, right? This person was awesome at doing, as manifested through these little murder mystery parties, right? Yeah. Boom! In one session, okay, the the, the light bulb went off where I was just like, well, why are you doing what you're doing? And <laughs> yeah, they don't have a good answer to that question, right? So I'm like, okay, go home, think about it. Next session, boom, we're building this now. A total pivot into a first analog, find a way to build, make a little bit of money from these things in an analog way, in a small way that doesn't cost any money to learn so that it can go digital, right? And that has since gone digital. Wow. So look at that, right? One session going from drones into, into murder mystery. You that know? is
1: it's, Dad, that's perfect. That's a perfect example.
2: <laughs> you know, it, but, but it's even, I mean, I'll tell you another one, Greg, I, I, had a, I had a workshop with a team three days ago. Okay. I just started working with them. I think we're on like session three or four, uh, early stage, super smart team, you know, like the the, the, the the engineers, the mechanical engineer, the computer science, like they, they, they know their shit, right? And, and they've known each other for for quite a while. And I and I do my thing. I run these nice little, you know, soft workshops in the beginning where I start talking about why and tell me some stories, tell me a deep, you know, tell me a defining moment that you had and, and all these different things. And you know, two major things came out of that discussion. One, they didn't know, even though even though they've all worked with each other in different companies over the last, I don't know, 10 years or something like that, they didn't know that they're all speed demons. Mm. That they all have pretty much injured themselves when they were younger in an extreme sport, okay, that that made them embody, the, but still enjoyed the thrill of it, okay? Yeah. So this company is working on a uh, piece of equipment. I'm a little bit under NDA at the moment. So a piece of equipment that is right around speed and extreme sports. But right. they didn't know these small little stories about all of them actually coming from the same base. Huh. Right? So that in and of itself aligns them. And then the other gem piece of information was that one of the one of them um, has won like awards writing writing stories for screenplays and soap operas, and and also loves to blog and write and 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 write stories. So it's like they didn't even know that they've got their communication person on their team. <laughs> right. Right. See what I mean? So this is where I like to play, Greg. This is that kind of pranaprenorial thing that I'm that I'm trying to get people to embody. That, that there, there's so much magic in communication. We just need to allow it. And yeah. there's so much, there's so much love in, in like, why don't you be open and and speak from that space? Because now each one of those, no matter you know, no matter how good or quote unquote bad they may be at pitching, they're going to be able to tell a personal story. About why they're doing what they're doing, grounded in something that's genuine and authentic. And that is what people want. That's what gets people to pay attention.
1: Yeah, man. Yes. Yes. <laughs> this is this is all great. I mean, I I I um well here's what I'm wondering then. Yeah. Where does in your work with yeah. groups like this, where does breath work fit <laughs> into it?
0: Yeah.
2: So so I'm um I think we've sort of touched on maybe on the first one. So you know the the, the CEO uh, next to his chief of Zen, uh, his or her chief of Zen. Um, for CEOs like that, or executives, or any human being, right? A founder, I can do one-on-one breathworks. Okay, now these one-on-one breathworks would be what I was kind of describing before, where where you where they're heavy, they're um, can be enlightening, can be uh, quite physical. You know, you can have physical um, trauma release, all sorts of different things and have these beautiful realizations and, and, and all of that. That's a very one-on-one uh, mechanism. But where I'm starting to play here and have really started to have some fun results um, is with groups, um, you can either do it as one startup or, or I've also done it, done it with a number of startups. Um, I've even done this online. Um, is leading leading say a five or seven minute call it a semi-active breath work uh, not, not something that's gonna you know totally overtake you, but it's it's a little bit more powerful than just breathing in and out of your nose. Yeah we, we would do this for say five, six, seven minutes, I'll guide it and then we sit in silence for two or three minutes. now in that breath work, they are going to feel their body. And what ends up happening in that silence is all that cr- all that crap, all those thoughts, all that, Argument you just had with your partner, or, you know, oh, I didn't sleep very well last night, or, you know, oh my God, I'm thinking yeah. about my meeting that I've gotten three hours, right? All that stuff just sort of magically goes away. And it's in that moment. So I use the breathwork to get everybody into that sort of open, creative space. And then what I've started doing is guiding some questions. So what I do is I, 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 um, So, okay, I'll just give you the example of the last one that I did. So I did did this breath work. We got five or six, seven startups on the call. Uh, Get them into it. We sit for silence for two or three minutes. I put on a little bit of music, a little bit of hang drum music, nice and relaxing. And I asked them, you know, whip out a piece of notebook, paper, computer, whatever it is that you've got. And I I said, um, write down all of the challenges that are facing you right now. It can be personal. It can be business. It can be whatever it is. Free flow. Don't think too much. Don't write in full sentences and just brain, just brain dump. Right. Yes. Yeah. So I let them brain dump, you know, five, six, seven, eight minutes, whatever feels right. You know, so whenever they're kind of finished, I say, okay. And then I, and then I said, I said, um, I said, if you had a magic wand or, you know, if you could just create something out of thin air, what would exist or who would exist? Um, that could help. That could help you, or already, or or already solve that problem or challenge that you've got. Brainstorm it, right? And and then just come to whatever comes into your mind, right? Try to think about channeling and just ding 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 ding. ding. So I give them another seven eight minutes. Do the next question. I say list off every single human being that comes to mind. Now I leave it open like that. Any human <laughs> being that comes to mind.
0: <laughs> okay, And yeah. they go
2: rattle off, you know, and then and then sort of in between, maybe after a couple of minutes, I'll be like, you know, it can be it could be Elon Musk. Uh, it could be the prime minister. You know, it could be uh, your best friend from from uh, middle school that happens to be a big uh, person in a company. Okay, It can be anybody. And they write all it down. And then the last question, I say, OK, write down a whole bunch of questions that if you got the answer to from these people, could help you get this thing to help you solve that challenge. Oh, wow. 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 Right. So, and they do it. And then I get everybody to do a little bit of a uh, discussion, right? We give everybody 10 minutes, 15 minutes on the floor. What was your experience like? You want to talk about a challenge. You want to talk about a solution. You want to talk about a person, whatever it is, and you speak into the group so that we can all help you in whatever it is that you need some help with. This is breathwork being used to tune out and get people into an openness, being cued with some questions. And you, you, know, you don't have to think too far to, there's a wealth of different uh, questions that you could start to ask. You could also have some very active workshops where you get people in a pitch, for example, you could get people to do uh, two slides on problem. Now, go, right? Just brain dump. Do two slides on solution. Brain dump. Boom. Do two slides on prod, Right? You, there's all sorts of th- different things you can do, but it's the collaborative aspect that I think is so is so powerful. And 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 you know you would think that in a workshop like this, everybody's talking about business. By the time we talk about their things at the end, yeah. But interestingly enough, and this is where I think the the power of breath work starts to really show itself. Most of them spoke about some sort of personal trait or personal barrier that they have that is holding them back from doing that thing that they know they need or want to do like yes like pick up the phone to call that partner you know like make that meeting um like sit down and build that document that you know that you really need but you you're not finding the inspiration for so it's not the problem of the of the of the doing the thing they're self reflecting and saying wow why is it that i'm not doing that and then somebody else in the group resonates with that because we're human, right? These are human things that are happening. And that other person shares and says, hey, I, I actually know, I, I think I know what you mean. I experienced the same thing when, blah, blah, blah. And I do this in those situations, X, Y, Z. Maybe you should try that, X, Y, Z, right? And the power, Greg, of of, of this um, I'm starting to to get really excited about excited about facilitating more playing around you know there's a whole playground of things to to do with breath work to increase people's kind of I don't know propensity for productivity uh openness to be creative um to be vulnerable yes. to share, and 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 if, almost consistently, man. I mean, you know, of course, they've got some other ideas about their startup and this, and they have these aha moments, and that's magic, you know? That's awesome. But it's so cool that, like, just like in those one to ones, the silver lining that people are experiencing in these breathworks, whether it's that quick five minute one or a long 60 or 90 minute or take it to an extreme, like holotropic breathwork, which would be three hours in a dark room with loud music consciously.
1: <laughs> I was, I was going to go into asking yeah. you, like, how extreme this
2: yeah, stuff yeah. goes. Yeah. Let's take it back to that. Yeah, we can. Um, You know, the silver lining is almost all the same. There is some sort of self-reflection. There is a a, a realization or a self-reflection or a questioning of self of, of either why am I not doing this or what is it about this that makes me feel like that or wow, I was such an asshole to this person. I really need to do something about that. And how do I not do that again? Or how do I, what's what's stopping me from being motivated? You know, like, ah, oh, I just want to go outside and hug a tree, you know? I'm going to go hug a tree, you know? Say,
1: you know, I want to ask you why you think it works, but I'm worried that, <coughs> that that will take away
2: the magic from it. I mean, Prana, Chi, this, you are... We are breathing in the same air. The air I'm breathing, I mean, I have probably just now breathed in some molecule that you breathed out, right. okay? You know, we are all connected. The breath is, is connecting us. Breath is life. If you look at all traditions, religions, anything you want to look at, all of them at some aspect of, the, of the, 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 the beginning story or the beginning myth, rather, um, have breath involved in them of how breath was life. So when we're breathing, right? I mean, you know, we can get into the scientific terms and what's happening inside your body. And and believe me, that's journals and journals and journals of stuff that's just backing, backing the positive effects of what's going on. But to explain this consciousness shift, I mean, I think you're breathing life and you're becoming present. And when you're becoming present in your breath Everything that's around you, all of your judgments, all of your expectations, all of your other thoughts, everything else gets pushed away to give space for what we truly are, which is this energy being with which the breath is like the is is both the you know, is, is both the gasoline and the energy and the energy itself when we're energy energy wants to share energy wants to shine energy wants to collaborate energy wants to come out of darkness right so darkness could be the emotion and it sheds it away you know th- there's this play between dark and light and dark and light and and, and if we're bringing in light we're, we're, we can shine light on our dark by the breath that might be in creativity productivity how we feel about somebody else how we feel about ourselves. I mean, it's tuning ourselves into ourself.
1: Yeah. And
2: it's realized that we're not separate. So by it, it, I mean, it works because it shows you that you're not separate.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. And also, I mean, I I just, you know, the thing that spins the wheels of imagination for me that 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 loops me about uh, breathwork is the holotropic stuff. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and of course, that's just you know, it's it's like the drugs, right? We got, you know, let's say breath work is like having a nice beer, like holotropic breath work is taking DMT. Actually, it is. Um, <laughs> it actually is. Um, yeah, like I read a book about I, I don't know if you've ever read this book. It's a great book. My my introduction to holotropic breath work was the book by Michael Talbot called The Holographic Universe. Oh, okay. And a really cool book, really interesting theory about the way uh, kind of a spiritual theory of everything book and it goes for everything from uh, manifestation esoteric gurus being able to physically manifest things to psychic phenomena to what stanislav Grof. Found yeah. out by studying uh, holotropic work, breath work, and sort of—I I guess he very much popularized it initially. Yeah. Um, be- before Wim Hof took the breath work. You know, pop pop breath work. I think is the Wim Hof of today. But Stanislav Grof was doing research and discovering that you could have full on hallucinogenic transformative experiences that reaccess trauma by right. doing guided breath sessions. Um, yeah. that said. Dude, did you ever know you were going to go there when you were exploring this? How no. did you like I'm curious how deep you've I, I know you've alluded to it a little bit. How deep yeah. you've gone
2: and yeah, how yeah. deep with it are you going? You know the, <laughs> it was interesting. Uh, Stanislav Grof actually, he was one of the first test patients for LSD in Switzerland.
0: Huh. He was
2: literally one of the first people in the world that had had taken LSD. And, and his the, the, his work in holotropic was I think he moved to the states and then, and then obviously you know LSD became became outlawed. and, and he wanted to find a way to help people f- have the similar type of experience without the with you know without the risk involved. Yes, right um, you know so I don't know you know it, <laughs> I had uh, when I did Hol- holotropic breathwork was actually the first, um, strong breath work that I had done. Um, I had, I did a holotropic breath work before I had even, you know, really done a simple five minute breath before I had done a Wim Hof, uh, wow. and before, and before I had even known about the, the conscious connected breath, uh, sessions that, that I do with, with alchemy of breath, um, sort of like rebirthing, etc. So, I was, I was well, and, and actually the facilitator kind of goes through this story about LSD and Stanislav Grof. So, yeah, my so gosh,
1: they threw you in deep. <laughs> you did go right. in deep, man.
2: <laughs> you know, so I, I, I had had, um, and, 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 you know, as we spoke about before it, i had, I have had earlier experiences with, with hallucinogenics. So I, I, you know, I had gone into it kind of, you know, actually a little bit skeptical of being like, how, how can breathing, uh, evoke this type of experience, right? And it just blew my socks off, Greg. I mean, wow. three hours conscious breathing, loud, dark, heavy music, um, was so phenomenal. Now, for me, and and it varies for people. So, and and I sort of went into you can I, generally you find kind of two types of people at these hall tropics. You're either going to find the person that kind of is there to breathe but doesn't really. Go for it. So, so the experience is totally different.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, you know, they'll definitely have some sort of an experience in the tropic, But, but you know, I was flying in there with you know, let's go, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, let bring it on. Um, and and I I didn't you know I didn't have oh this was a crazy experience I didn't have any hallucinogenic visual uh, response, but I absolutely my feeling of it was that I got rid of at least three or four demons that were inside my body. And when I mean release, I mean like shouting, screaming, I mean, primal, like breathing and screaming. And my, my, my body just, just twitching and shaking and uncontrollably moving back and forth. And I went through these, I think it was four or five, Kind of build up, build up a body, build up, build up. Rah, and then, sort of, just this scream starts kind of flying out of me. And when I was screaming out, I could, I was literally visualizing a, a lack, you know, a demon, an energy, a trauma, and just rah, released out of my body. And then whew, back to rest and started breathing again and breathing again. And this cycle went, I think four or five times. And when I got, I mean, when we were finished, I I mean, I'm, I'm crying, I'm broken down, but this isn't a negative cry. You know, this isn't like a hurt cry. This is like relief cry. I didn't understand what I released. And this is the, this is a neat thing about breath work is that, is that you're not always and very often not conscious of the thing that you're releasing. We're, we're storing, you know, and science is now catching up to this. We're, we're storing, you know, all that trauma that we're talking about for the parenting and the acceleration and, you know, the yeah. kids, you know, all that kind of stuff. These, these traumatic experience and trauma doesn't have to be what we think is such a heavy word as trauma. I mean, it could be like in my, one of my experience, like my band teacher, when I was 12 years old, telling me that I sucked. You know, I've had a trauma release of that one because the emotional response that I had when I said it, because we weren't trained to show our feelings, like we were talking about earlier, we're not trained to, to let someone know, Hey, that hurt me or, or cry or anything like that. What do we do? We store it in our bodies. This is what we do. And energy is stored inside. And then over decades and decades, it just sits dormant. So this breathing releases that and it helps it come to the surface and I let go of some crazy stuff inside that holotropic, Greg. And I just felt <laughs> so light, so, I mean, exhausted, but relieved and just, ah, oh, you know, like a huge weight taken off my shoulders.
1: What does that mean for you exactly? When you feel that, I get yeah. feeling it. I wonder if it's, uh, you actually clocking the things that it cleared up. Could you think yeah. back and be like, oh yeah, this thing that I used to really bother me, I'm over it now. What actually?
2: How did you know? So, in th- in this case, in in the holotropic, I, I would I would pull the analogy between my very noisy fridge here in my apartment. Okay, eventually it shuts off, and I realized that it was on. But while right. it was on, I didn't know it was on. Okay. Yes. So, yes. so there's that sort of. Oh, really? You know, it's it's not making any noise. Oh, I feel. You know, it's nice and silent and nice and quiet. So it was that sort of a feeling with the holotropic afterwards. This sort of just release in a physical, emotional type of just um, release without knowing what I released. Okay. Got it. Got it. I, I I don't know how to explain it better than just the fridge comes to mind. Um, you know, it's like these noises that are there that that you don't that you get so used to that they become a part of you. And you don't notice that they were there until it until it's gone. Wow. Yes. And and this is a lot, you know, meditation can do this on different levels and and things like that with, with the band teacher, (laughs) um, that, that was an actual, uh, an actual visualization, um, Oh, it's so cool this stuff, Greg. And and and, and actual yeah. an actual visualization, you know, it's tough to kind of explain these days. So I would say a visualization of me, my, my body, me today in the breath work, observing me, Sean Paul, at 12 years old, of sorry, Mr. Widenar, saying to me that I sucked. And in my body here at 37. I felt the feeling that my inner child felt at 12 years old when at the moment it was said, okay? So I I literally felt it, but in that moment that I feel it, that's where I was able to, in that feeling, feel the feeling and be compassionate to the feeling, be compassionate to my inner child saying, hey man, it's okay. It's natural to feel like that. This person said something that's not nice. Okay. And in that interaction of visualization and mental understanding, I am able to embody, feel the feeling. I shed a tear. I literally shed a tear because it hurt. I felt the hurt that I didn't feel when I was 12, right? Didn't let that process. And while I'm breathing, I feel that crying a little bit. I'm visualizing it. I say, hey, it's okay, it's all good, breathe and let it go, and in my breath, let it go, and it's not that I blocked the feeling, it's that I re-experienced the feeling, right, because in our space-time continuum here with no time, okay, our bodies don't know time, our bodies don't operate with time, so that trauma that we had when we were younger, our body- exists as if it is here right now. And the only way that we can solve this or release this trauma is by is by going through the emotion. E motion. We got a motion through the emotion. What we're not doing is we're blocking the emotion and it stores inside our body. So in you know in, in, in th- and this is quite quite common for people to experience these type of experiences where, where where you're either visualizing it or you're you're knowing it you're 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 remembering through memory but through the triggering of the memory you're you have a bodily response which is that response that you had at that moment in a different time frame that you weren't allowed that you didn't allow to release
1: you are shaking the, my entire foundation right now. Like I, <laughs> uh, and I've like studied this stuff, and I read about it, and I don't know for for some reason for today, this is uh-huh. the first time this idea of stored trauma mm. being timeless, yeah, actually, like ooh, hit something in me because. I'm not even sure why. Yeah, dude. I, I, in a way I'm like, this feels like it's too simple for Sean Paul to have brought out in me. Like, like my egoic (laughs) mind's like, how dare he blow my mind with something that's like a simple concept. But at the same time, why? Nah, man, that is so true, that 12-year-old thing. I think it's because when I'm looking at hypnosis and, and these other mind processes, it's like you have to bring them through. You have to go through the subconscious mind to then access the history. And history and past is always the word. I guess I didn't realize how present it was. Unprocessed emotion is the present. And it's just the thing you need to say to the person that you didn't say right now, breath is a really quick way, if you do it right, to just move something through that is just <laughs> blocked right there. I, I guess I didn't realize how unsuppressed it actually is, even though it's well, suppressed. It's
2: it, it's like the fridge that you can't hear, right? It, it's just there. You've embodied it. You've taken it with you. It's changed the way that you communicate the way that you handle relationships the way that you handle business I mean it, it's literally shaped these traumas that we've had from 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 childhood and through adulthood shape who we are whether we're yeah. aware or not and for the most uh, yeah. part it's taking us into a more of a separate self right I mean it, it's so and it's so funny that you're like yeah it's such a simple thing like this stuff is simple. I remember when I came across this, this was in, in, a, in a great book um, by Peter Levine, um, who's sort of like the pioneer of, 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 of all of this type of type of healing, um, called Waking the Tiger. And I remember in the first, like, I think it's the first chapter, you know, where it's like, have you ever seen an animal that was depressed? You know, and I'm like, right. You know, except of course maybe you know your you know mishandled dog or something. Okay, but you know, do you see mammals that roam around moping around and 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 depressed? You know, of course we don't, right? And then and then and then it was like I think it's like ninety eight percent of all mammals or or animals, reptiles, all sorts of things. After an encounter, running from the tiger. Okay, you're you're the deer and or I guess deer and deer don't hang out where tigers do, are they? (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Let's I, take the deer, for example. So you're the deer and you run away from the tiger. You have this yes. response, this fight or flight response, and you need to save yourself. So your body goes into bang, I need to save myself and run away. Right. And the deer gets away and it runs away. But almost immediately that deer will shake, will move, will shake uncontrollably or shake it off. You know, our saying that we say we need to shake it off. Yes. That's where that comes from. That's what animals know. You see two birds fighting. They get into a little bit, you know, and then they're going to go away from each other. They're going to shake and flap their wings, right? What we do, it's like if we're walking down the street and we fall off on the curb, right? What's the first thing that we do? We go look around and see if anybody else saw us fall off the curb. Did anyone Mm. else see? Oh, I don't know. Trying to protect. Instead of trying to just register, ow, that hurt, you know, and shake your leg and shake it off. Yeah. Right? The, 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 the trauma happens when we're when we're blocked from being able to let it out. And that can be a physical movement very often, more often than not a physical movement. It could be vocal. It could be voicing it. Um, and we just store that shit, man. You know what? I think I am
1: now coming from a uh, ju- just a different dimensional view or just a higher awareness view of the way I, we semantically look at the word trauma. I think Mm -hmm. that is partly the problem here. Uh, for me, at least I'm thinking when I hear trauma, I'm like, okay, it, uh, trauma implies past. And when people even say I'm carrying around trauma, it's very easy to dismiss that As something that, yeah, sure, we all are. And how much money are you going to have to pay work with someone to fix that? I wish there was almost a more present Mm. word or a way to redefine that globally. So we're like, no, no, no. Trauma is the thing here now that is stopping you from being your full (laughs) self. I just want to move that word and accelerate it into the present because... uh, yeah, I don't know, man. It's the I, first time that I've ever thought about trauma and body as being
2: so right here. Yeah, I oh, I love it, man. Uh, let's let's come up with a word, you know, um, you know, and it, it's just just like just like you're saying, right? Trauma is, you know, we don't think about trauma being that small little thing that the band teacher said, or we think about it some heavy thing that was in the past. Yeah, I mean, we don't. We I, really I don't. don't. Just like in that in that group thing, the call that I had with the startups with the breath work you know, one of them's talking about, you know, a meeting that they had with, or they pitched or had a meeting with somebody else. And, and, and the other person was just a jerk. Yeah. Didn't make them feel good. Now, then they become self-conscious. I didn't feel good. That didn't go well. But normally we'll just, I mean, that's a small little traumatic event, right? Like what we expected, or this person hurt, hurt us. We don't feel good. You know, normally I think we'll just go run off and do whatever right let's go to the next meeting it's not a big deal and this and that but if that starts happening over and over again and you don't deal with it then you start becoming agitated you start becoming annoyed or you start becoming self-conscious and then you can't handle any more meetings right so we even need a way to to help people understand that like why don't you sit down and think about why you felt that way what is it about that person what is it that that person triggered in you? A response that made you feel bad. And if we can look at those responses, you know, more often than not, this is sort of the humbling aspect of our universe here. More often than not, or if not always, it's going to be something that is about you that you realize about yourself that you can do differently in order to release that or in order to not react, but respond. Right. Yes. There's a difference between react. We're, we're very reactive society. It's okay to, to let somebody know that what they said wasn't okay, but do it in a response, in a controlled response. If you do it in a reactive way, right now, you're not being true to yourself and you're allowing energy to take you over. Those things can be traumatic too, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah man this is like so good this is this is uh this is the mind blowing I wanted of like redefining trauma especially when it comes to uh the daily grind of work because you know what people do not realize how much those little things add up and can really affect how much success you even think you're
2: capable of achieving and if i could just you know the the neat thing that 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 i've been trained a lot in in this kind of you know, understanding of trauma release is that we don't even need to be conscious of the thing that we're releasing. That's what's really interesting. That's why these conscious breath works, these 60, 90 minute breeds that that I'm doing, you know, the point is not to put you into a holotropic uh, state of catharsis, which is what, what uh, arguably that is at different levels. If you put somebody into a state like that, it's kind of showing that you're not able to to feel your body or you're not consciously – let me put it the other way around. So if if you're consciously breathing and you're releasing this energy, this buzzing, this heat, this cold, this sweat, this movement that you're doing inside your body, that in and of itself is releasing the trauma. Whether or not you are conscious of what you have released, which I think is so cool.
0: Right. Yes. This yes. totally
2: breaks apart the idea of psychology that we need to talk about our shit and we need to go over it and reimagine it and go through it and go through it and go through it. Go through it right. For the most part, you know, and I know a lot of other breathworks will be listening to this. You know, this is not an all, all truth here, but for the most part, you know, you can just let that stuff go physically And and don't, and don't even need to be thinking about what it is and your body will feel like the refrigerator refrigerator went off.
1: Wow. Yeah. That is so cool, man. That is so cool. You know, I thought this episode <laughs> that from from the first time we, we, we originally talked before recording, uh, I really thought we were going to do an episode called Where Gary Vee and, and uh, Tim <laughs> Ferriss Aren't Going. What did Gary V and Tim Ferriss get wrong? But you know what I do wonder still, if you're looking at the common Entrepreneur. I mean, look, I I make fun of them all the time, partly because of you know me dealing with my shadow self and the envy of successful people out there. Which don't worry, Greg, you'll get over it one day. <laughs> that I, I need to do a breathwork session. But, you need but, to
2: do but, a breathwork. Yeah, let's do one.
0: <laughs>
1: but but I I definitely love making fun of the fact that there are so many. Uh, podcasts and entrepreneurs, I mean, there's, there's many podcasts as there are people that call themselves entrepreneurs and podcasts for entrepreneurs and people being like, yeah, man, you can really supercharge your business 10 X, give them this work hard, hustle. What do you think about the – for a while they were calling it – I remember a couple years ago they were calling it hustle porn, that kind of stuff, like when Gary V started getting more popular. I mean, where do you think this vulnerability uh, fits in to some of the more mainstream entrepreneur
2: messages? Yeah. Um, I don't think enough people are talking about it, flat out. Um, you know, hustle porn, let's keep going. Let's push, let's do this. Um, you know, I, you know, I love Gary V style. He's been an inspiration to me and in, in, in understanding that, you know, just go out and hustle, send those 500 DMS, you know, you'll get a few back, it'll generate business, right?
0: These yeah. are very,
2: these are very, very good. Just like Tim Ferriss, right? Tools to use. Okay. Uh, Tim Ferriss can give you lots of tools to help you be more efficient, to help you um track data you know the importance of data how to spend a little bit as as money as little money as possible to get a big impact et cetera et cetera gary v can motivate you to push to push to push push. i've burned out three times in my life and i know that i have also embodied that type of hustle in the way that i coach in the accelerators that i've run and i know that i burn out some other people so i don't think I think we need a balance. I don't think it's that Gary Vee and, and and Tim Ferriss don't shouldn't be there. But I think when we've got a mass of people online that are selling the idea that all you've got to do is hustle, and then you're going to make a whole bunch of money and you're going to be the successful entrepreneur. I mean, they're selling bullshit, because and they know it too. They're just trying to sell a tool so that they can get their five bucks to download the PDF and then snipe you for the next seventy-five. And then when you click the link, you need to owe three hundred for a two for a one-on-one session kind of thing. Right, right. Where, where where I think every where I think they're missing the point, and where I would like to see more people talk about. And and Gary V, it sort of curves the surface a little bit, you know. But we have to take care of ourselves, so we need to make sure that we don't burn out because it doesn't matter how much you hustle if you keep hustling hustling and hustling especially if you're not hustling from a place of you know you're just working for somebody else or you're not quite aligned in what it is who you are you're going to burn out and if you don't have tools to help you recenter to come back to come back to alignment or you know take a few deep breaths or, or these kinds of things i think we're just encouraging people to burn out and that's not that's not helping anybody Right. I think I think a powerful entrepreneur, this is where that, you know, is entrepreneurial, is taking care of their body, taking care of their energy, taking care of their mind and taking care of business and going out there and hustling, but hustling in a way that's in balance with everything. Right. But, you know. People like why, you know, I mean, you know, it's like, it's like, okay, Tim Ferriss talks about, you know, he'll show that how he meditates and does these kinds of different things, you know, but it's like, where's the, where's the Tim Ferriss acceleration for giving everybody, you know, non-burnout tips. Right. Right. I don't know if that's where you were trying to, trying to poke a little bit, but you know, I, I think I'm just conscious. And I think that's where my sort of, journey into, you know, sort of, you know, call it rebranding into into the Pranapreneur as a way to kind of bring both of these together. Breath, Prana, life, balance with this entrepreneurial mindset. You don't have to be an entrepreneur to be an entrepreneurial mindset. I mean, you could be working inside a corporate, but you've got an entrepreneurial mindset with your, uh, you know, with your podcast passion that you do after work or with your poetry or with your art. Or with a small little programming that you're doing if you have an entrepreneurial mindset about these things you'll be very successful but if we sell people that all they have to do is go hustle 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 yeah i'm not sure that's i mean that's going to help the that that will probably make hustlers more successful but it's not probably going to help the non-hustlers which are most of us why do you think they don't why do you think they do not give you
1: tips to uh, do this i know this is controversial no i mean not really no i mean wh- wh- why 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 don't they give you tips to defeat burnout and stuff is it just not as appealing a message tim has interviewed wim hoff i feel like a lot of people yeah, learned I, about these some of these people through uh these guys i mean gary vee just had matthew mcconaughey on right, and right that's what you mean by bending he kind of goes into it but wh- what's going
2: on there i mean i you know i mean I... I'm not sure it's not going on, right? Just like you said, bringing on Matthew McConaughey or talking to Wim Hof. And, you know, I think, I think they're, you know, each of them have their, their customer. I mean, they're selling books, they're, they're doing certain things. They've got certain customers, you know, there could be an aspect of, you know, something, something that I'm literally trying to manage right now is how can I have a discussion about breathwork without everyone thinking that, that it's an esoteric or religious or energy thing? Right. My How do I plan that? You know, because I don't want to alienate my, my, my alienate human beings that might want to give it a shot. Right. So maybe there's a little bit of an aspect of trying not to alienate their, 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 their customers. I mean, it's the, it's, it's probably the same reason why these same people don't come out and, you know, give their view on political things that are going on. Right. Maybe that's what it is, you know, but does Gary V motivate people and get his thing done and push and all these kinds of things? Yeah. Does, does Tony Robbins go and get, you know, inspire people to go and do their thing? You know, yeah, they do. I think we just need people maybe like me that just comes in and says, Hey, you know, make sure you don't burn out so that we can yes. work together, you know, and he does what he's good at. I'll do what I'm good at. You know, I, I'm not sure. I mean, you, you know what I mean? It's, it's sort of assuming that we, I mean, I know in the last call, I was kind of like, you know, they don't do any of this, you know? And I sort of thought about that. And I'm like, yeah, they, well, they do it a little bit, you know? And, and is it, is it for us to say, why don't they do it? Fully, I mean, we never know. They might pivot and do that fully, right? You know, I, I think I think it's interesting what kind of persona and, and and what resonates to them. You know, maybe it's because it doesn't resonate to them. Maybe it's because they feel like it's going to alienate. Um, you know, I'm I'm not sure. I'm really not sure.
0: Uh,
2: but I do know that Tim Ferriss is doing what he loves to do, or at least it feels like it. Yeah, Gary Vee feels like he's he's doing what he loves to do. Right? It's genuine. It's authentic. So. I think it's more, I mean, if I felt like they weren't being genuine and authentic, it's like if Gary Vee was talking about, I mean, he talks a little bit about, you know, um, he, he talks some stuff about kids and, you know, how to, how to you know, <laughs> don't go to university. Don't listen to your parents. You know, there's a few messages in there yes. that he gives, <laughs> you know, there's, there's learnings in that and, and, and it's, then that's okay. He, he He does it in his own way.
1: What do you think Sean Paul of all the common business advice that you hear people give, especially to people that uh, are are trying to create a new business from scratch, what's the number one? What's the thing that you believe the most that you've told people that you get the most pushback for initially?
2: Did I get the most pushback for? Yeah. Um. Well, it's probably in this, it, it takes some, it takes some convincing, especially when it comes to pitch coaching and the story that people try to tell about what they're doing. It takes some convincing for them to realize that they need to talk about themselves. It takes some convincing that, that, that there's this thing going on, right? Everybody, it's almost like everyone thinks that we need to pitch like Samsung or like some technical company. Let's throw out 12 different features mm-hmm.
0: and the features
2: and the features are going to sell right but and this is what Simon Sinek talks a lot about in his books start with why find your why and and what's happening when we're doing that is that we're talking about what's right we're talking about what we're trying to sell and right and I'm trying to get people to talk about their personal story and and that and and, and finding out what it is about their personal story that's that their company is a manifestation of and almost more often than not there is an alignment there they just weren't realizing it so the, it's like, no, Sean, I need to talk about this. I need to talk about the 15 different features that's going on. I need to talk about exactly what my strategy is. I need to talk about exactly how I'm going to raise money. I need to talk exactly about what my plan is. And I need to talk, you know, if people don't, you know, I need more than five minutes to do my pitch and all this stuff. I'm like, no, you don't. People need to believe you. Tell a story about yourself. Tell a story. Like, why are you doing this thing? If you don't focus on why telling and expressing why you're doing something, nobody cares, really. Especially at an early stage, you know. It's different for a product and a big company who's making a product. Obviously, the product needs to you know needs to sell, right? But yeah, I think. I mean, I don't know. I mean, you're saying pushback, so. I I don't know. I guess
1: controversial. Like, I'm wondering if you're around with a group of other uh, entrepreneurial thought leaders and you got up there and they gave you a podium and you're pitching your, you know, you're doing your TED talk, as it were. And you're like, guess what? You need to breathe better, and yeah. money doesn't matter. And yeah, no, totally. Like, what? What? What
0: am I? No, no, no. Totally.
1: Like, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I'm wondering if you have anything that at least get the board to consider your talk and be like, we're not sure he should be telling this message to the
2: <laughs> <laughs> Like, like the talks I go when I go into universities and talk to students and tell them that they should just drop out. Do you? Do you? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah.
0: I've,
2: I've done that one. <laughs> oh my god! How does that go over? That's pretty good uh, to me. That's a great example. Well, they they, they didn't invite me back, um, but you know they 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 liked the talk. They thought it was motivational, but they never invited me back. <laughs> <laughs> do you have any regrets about that? No, not at all. Not at all. Somebody's got to say something, you know. Um, you know, I mean, I don't know. I mean, sure, you've got a lot of thought leaders and things like that, entrepreneur. I mean, you've even got some people This I've even seen some TED Talks that are like, uh, uh, you know, passion, you know, people shouldn't be building business from their passion. They should be building things that are profitable in a product market fit, you know, as if we're some sort of robot, you know? No. I mean, we're only here once. We only have a finite amount of time while we're here. While we're here. Why don't you do something that you want to do? Spend some time trying to figure out what that is. And if you don't know what it is, try something and you'll find along the way. I mean, some of the best information is found by things that we know we don't want to do. Right? So, you know, I I'm 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 sort of I'm sort of like, I don't know. I know I know people around me and teens, I'm I'm sort of like that cheese ball softy guy that also kicks you in the ass. Right. Like I think we need more, we need, we need, we need people to be entrepreneurial with their own feelings, their emotion, and their own passion, their own thing that they wanna do. What is it that gets them up in the morning? You know, it's like go sell these entrepreneurial hack, hustle, hustle porn things you're talking about, but it's like, that's not helping them get, that's not gonna get them up in the morning. Dollar signs don't get people up in the morning, mm. period. Yeah. It's something else that's going on, right? What do you think's happening to these kids in business school then? But, but put it this way, I, I, I would take, I would take a, a, a graduating high schooler from anywhere in the world before I took a business student from any university in the world. Wow. Wow. Now that's controversial. That's what I want to (laughs) I Okay. Yeah, there we go. I totally would. I would actually view a university student or especially, sorry, especially a business university student. Okay. I would view them immediately as somebody that doesn't understand a thing about entrepreneurship. They haven't been taught anything about entrepreneurship. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, some universities now are having some entrepreneurial classes and things. And I think that's awesome. Um, and there are, there are little pockets that are going around. That's great. I like that. But your business school, you know, they're not teaching you how to build a business. They're teaching you how to work for a business. Period. And that's the line that you're going to go along. So by the time you get to university and you go through business school, like I did when I graduated from business school. I mean, what? I graduated when I was 21. I didn't even hear the word or even thought that I could build my own company or the word entrepreneurship until I was like 28. Wow. I mean, literally, that's how blinded you can become. Right? So we're the more you go inside that schooling system, the more you're thinking that you can look at a book, answer some exercises to figure out what's going on. Right. Yeah. And this function is exactly what is going to make you not be successful in building a business because you're gonna keep looking at other people as them responsible. Why doesn't somebody give me the book, right? This is probably why those people are making money, selling structures and strategies for how to build your business. Because somebody wants some sort of, blue, some sort of a, a blueprint, right? Because we've been taught to have a blueprint. But entrepreneurship is not a blueprint. If anything, you need to learn how to deal with chaos more than you need to expect a linear fashion, you know? It's like business school students probably think that they should go to the bank to go get investment for their company. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is just about the dumbest. This is just about the dumbest thing in the world that you could think. Like, banks are not in the business of taking risk. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so you know, we're yeah. I would take the high schooler or the middle school student, whatever. People who, I mean, the system, the education system, from a young age is conditioning people to be complacent. Period. And you can't be complacent when you're trying to build something up. Because you need to be curious. This is why I would take the high schooler. You got to be curious. You got to be somewhat unconditioned. You got to be, you know, you still have some fire in you. You still want to, you still got to drive, you want to check something out. You you can take risk. You know, the longer you go along that educational line. Right. The more you start to think, oh, but if I don't finish this, then I won't be able to get the internship and then I won't be able to get the job. And then my whole life is screwed. Right. Like, the whole risk measurement is, it, you know, and I'm like, huh. You know, take risk when you're when you're younger. I mean, I wish somebody had told me at least, especially right after graduating university, like, go take some risk. You're not going to die. You know? And, yeah. And, 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 and you know what? Like, I think it would be a good lesson. If you did go and say come out of university couldn't get a job or just chose I'm not going to go get a job, what can I do to create value? And this is what Gary V does a lot of, right? Helps people figure out you are valuable. Create value somewhere. When we're when we're like I was talking about at the beginning, right? When we're in this pain states, when we're in defining moments, it's usually because there's pain around us. So maybe it's a better idea to put yourself in a position where you've got to figure it out. And figuring it out doesn't mean looking at somebody else to solve your problem, looking at somebody else to give you a job, looking at, you know, look at yourself to solve the problem. Now, if I look at myself to solve the problem and I say, okay, I am going to go get a part-time job in company A in order for me to have free time and capacity to build up my dream, I'm all for that. Because now you're making a conscious decision to play through the system, with with the 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 attention of coming back to your dream or coming back to your passion and learning and trying to build or learn gain knowledge fail right i'm okay yeah. with it. i'm that's, okay
1: that's what it. actors are doing that's what actors right. do
2: you know <laughs> you know and and i've got so much respect for creatives actors artists poets i mean you know, the, 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 these are people that are just so like, this is what I want to do. Let's go. Right. And with such passion <laughs> that you'll keep going and keep going and keep going until, you know, negative dollars. Right. And then probably still keep trying. Right. Yeah. There was you know, and, and, and I've had a lot of thoughts around, you know, like we don't have startup accelerators that focus on, or at least that I'm aware of that focus focus on creatives. I mean, who are the people who know the least tech and who needs it the most? Like tech to market yourself, right? Let's say market yourself, commercialize, do some branding, do a little bit of communication, get the website out, you know, all these kinds of things. Like your artist doesn't know how to do this stuff and doesn't give a shit. Right. But the same artist also probably has this kind of like, oh, I shouldn't be making money or I shouldn't be doing this. And that's also a mechanism that's holding them back. So mm. I find, I find, right. I mean, there is that thing, right. I don't want to play the system. I don't want to go commercial. So I'm just going to, you know, build some Absolutely. stuff. Absolutely. Stuff inside my, in my garage as, you know, and I'm like, yeah, but then nobody, nobody, you're not shining your light. You're not shining what you're good at. And, and, and sure, to a certain extent, artists, posts, whatever, you're doing it for yourself, right. But some of the best art and the best stuff is done because you did it for yourself, but you shared it with the world. If we're not able to share it with the world, you know, then, okay, I'm happy that you shared it with yourself. And, but I hope that you're okay. I hope that you can sustain, right? The system doesn't value that stuff. And I think if we could shift anything, it's starting to shift that. And and in order to shift, we need everybody to be able to play in this entrepreneurial world. I mean, we're living right now in a world where there is an attack on entrepreneurship and small and medium business. Especially in the states, it's happening here in Europe. Everybody's getting completely annihilated by big company. We could, I'm sure, we could do a whole nother talk about the mechanisms of what's going on there. But the end result of what's happening right now is small, medium business and entrepreneurial uh, just getting obliterated. Right? Yeah. And and when we obliterate that entrepreneurial drive, we're going to be left with five companies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and then we are in the matrix and Amazon is running the world, right? And if we don't step up and start, you know, doing our own thing, we're going to get swallowed up. And this is why I like to, you know, really, this is why I want to get people to shine their light, whatever your light is. You might be passionate, you might make, you know, I don't know, waffles shaped like, hearts or animals. And that's the product you want to make. Okay, cool. If you do it with passion, it's authentic. You're going to find a market, right? It, it It's just, you know, we need more of that. And then you do a podcast and then I do what I do. And Gary does what he does. You know, it, all of these big things, it, you know, came from entrepreneurial ideas. Bezos was an entrepreneur, was an entrepreneur at a time.
1: Right. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask you, you know, to tie this all together. Um, <laughs> if you had kids and they came uh-huh. to you and they were like, Hey, uh, like it could be your kids could be a group of kids like, like yeah. 10 years old. And they were like, cool. Uh, Sean Paul, I want to do a lemonade
2: stand. Oh, I was just going to say lemonade stand 2.0, Greg. <laughs> what is, what is the
1: move? How are you, what's your lemonade stand plan?
2: Yeah, literally, man. Oh, that's so amazing. I, I had that. there was something you said, I don't know, a half hour ago or something where I was thinking about the, the lemonade stand. So, Great question. I've, I've always had this idea of the lemonade stand 2.0, you know, so we've got the little lemonade stand. We'll go out a little bit of money back and forth. Good to go. Okay. But what if we started working on collaboration and starting to teach these kids to let's run a lemonade stand, let's create some value out of this thing. But instead of mom and dad going and buying the orange juice and going and buying the cup and doing all these different things that are required to have your lemonade stand, just so that the kid can stand there to sell the lemonade, Right? Because the current version of lemonade stand is very similar to business school, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it, it definitely is.
2: Here's the desk. Here's the orange. Here's the cup. Here's this. And I think you should sell it for 99 cents or a quarter or whatever. And and the kid sits there and thinks they're successful because they've, they're making money, which yes. really is just, you know, petty, uh, you know, people feeling sorry for the kid or wanting to support that, whatever it is. Okay. Yes, Plus. yes. No, whatever. Yeah. But what if, you know, what if you start to play around and you, you encourage the kid to, I don't know, uh, son, daughter, we're going to go to the grocery store today. um, And I think you should go see if you can go talk to the manager. And you're going to go ask the manager if the manager could give you tell, you're going to tell the story about your little lemonade stand, and you're going to ask them to sponsor you for a couple of cartons of orange juice. Now the kid is going to have the chat, right? Yeah. Now, do you think that that store manager is going to say no? Probably not. Probably not, right? If said kids then go over to the furniture store or said this little thing and they come in their little cute and they come in their little pitch and they talk to a stranger and they say, hey, you know, we're making this little lemonade stand. My, You know, thanks to my dad for driving us over here. Um, but we really need a little table. Um, I'd love to, you know, c- could we have a table from you? Could we borrow it? We'll use it for one day. And, you know, we made this little Instagram account. We'll take a couple pictures of it. We'll post out. We'll tag you. <laughs> right, right. You know, like ten-year-olds could do that. Sure, they would need a little bit of guidance from the parents, but you know, it's 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 like give the kid a hundred bucks and give them the tools and structure and strategy. Doesn't have to, you know. Give them all the little building blocks of how to build a lemonade stand. You need a table. You need the orange juice. Maybe you need some sugar. Uh, I don't know. You need a sign right? And you say, okay, here's a hundred bucks and let them go do it. I mean, you could guide them if they fail and they lose the hundred bucks, that's a part of the learning. So I think the lemonade stand 2.0 with kids or teenagers or something like that needs to be a real reflection of how you would actually, like if you and I were going to go make a lemonade stand to go raise some money, how would we do it if we didn't have any money? Yeah. the Best mechanism in entrepreneurship, It doesn't matter if you're a kid or if you're an adult, especially if you're an adult and the teams that I work with need to have reminders of this. The best way to figure out something is to answer the question, how would I solve this problem with no money? And I had to do it in the next week or the next 24 hours.
1: That's great.
2: That's the entrepreneurial. Then then immediate you're like, okay, well, I can't have any money. So what doesn't cost me money? Well, talking to people, pitching, inspiring people, motivating them around your idea, right? This is all we're doing. This is most of my coaching and what I'm trying to help people do. I'm not solving their their, their business. I mean, I can dig into business strategy and dig into their problems. Sure, I have, I have a good business logic. I can help with that. But for the most part, I'm just inspiring them to go out and do it. Like go and do it with no money. How would you figure it out? How do you inspire people to join you on your mission, right? And I guarantee you those teenagers or 10-year-olds would have absolutely no problem creating their lemonade stand for free they would make a profit you know? yeah
1: so your your <laughs> shark tank your shark tank version would be a here's let's do this but no money's involved
0: yeah absolutely. like you need
1: to pitch me and yeah I mean I I could see it I could see that being a new yeah. revolutionary way of people looking at business
0: yeah yeah
2: I mean I I, I I ran I ran an accelerator uh three three or four years ago now where um, people applied as an individual, not as a startup. We tried something experimental. You, you came as an individual, you filled out a psychology profile, and we tried to figure out if you were in, you know, this type of personality, this type of personality, et cetera, et cetera. And we created A teams. So we were like, okay, this is sort of a CEO type. This is like a designer. This is like a finance manager, whatever. We created these four or five person teams. Yeah. And we invited down corporate sponsors, like, like uh, local companies that had problems. And these local companies, they pitched to the group of individuals the problems that they're having inside their business, right? And they said, if one of your teams, if one of these teams would like to solve this problem, we will help you and work with you, okay? We had some investors in the back that they had gates. So every week you had to pitch your progress. And at every progress point, you ended up getting an extra thousand dollars or something to stay alive for the next week but you only got the money if you could prove value. And the only way to prove value is, could you get somebody on board with your idea? So this is already happening. And, and, and every time I tell this story, I, I'm, I, I have to run another one. <laughs> I have to run another version of this because this is exactly how we solve problems. This is exactly the frame yeah. of reference that I think we could be in. Yeah, yeah, and this is something that the US understands quite well. I think entrepreneurs in the States, you know, in the States California, they understand this quite well, the hustle. That's the hustle. How do we build value out of as little money as possible? Yeah, that's yeah. when you come with cool magic, right?
1: Yeah. And what do you think the people in the U.S. do not get as much? Like, I want you. You're you're bringing it together, man. You're half and yeah. half. You know, part Norwegian, part <laughs> U.S. Where is the? Yeah, man. What what side do the United States entrepreneurs need more of? Is it the breath work? Is it the what
2: else do we need? <sighs> I'm going to have to go with a global position on that one and say breathwork. I'm 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 really starting to come around to 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 this is such a universal powerful tool, Greg, that I think in all applications of anything that has something to do with human relations has something to do with your human self, whether that's business or your your creative outlay, could benefit from having breathwork and centering into yourself and just letting yourself breathe. Because I think that's where we're spending all of our time outside of our breath. I mean, we're literally—it's—it's such—it's so cool, right? It's like this tool that's unconscious and keeping us alive, and we don't really pay attention to it. But when we pay attention to it, it can give us so much. So that—that that breathing, I think, would—it's interesting. So here, here we go. This brings it together. So I think the breathing in in, in the U.S. might help some of these hustlers um, not burn out and be able to have stronger stamina and be able to last a little bit longer and maybe be able to. Uh, connect to customers and connect to people in a little bit more of an authentic way. Where, whereas I think the in, in in Europe, you know, maybe this this breath work and can sort of open up this this wall of vulnerability or or break down this sort of fear of failure in a way that would open up to more collaboration and being a little bit more courageous in 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 failure, a little bit more courageous in in picking up the phone, a little bit more courageous in you know, connecting out to some huge, you know, I don't know, the top PhD or scientist or something like that, that could be the integral piece of advice that could help them. Right. So you see the breath, the breath can balance it. It doesn't matter who you are, where you are, whatever, whatever that's so, you know, the breath is a healer. The breath is going to heal that part of you that you didn't know need healing. And it's going to put you onto that path that, that, you know, opens you up. Maybe that's being less vulnerable. Maybe that's being less of an asshole. You know? <laughs> it 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 just it has that beautiful aspect. It's magic.
1: Wow. Sean <laughs> Paul Shayner, the <laughs> pranapreneur. This has been a uh, it's yeah, man, it's been a whirlwind conversation, but uh, I really I I was enlightened. I was I was touched in certain moments um, and I really uh, definitely <laughs> you definitely shifted my view on what conscious entrepreneurship could be. Mm-hmm. So for that, I'm excited to keep, uh, you know, following everything you're doing. And I really thank you for coming on the show.
2: Yeah. Thanks for having me, Greg. Beautiful, uh, beautiful chat.
1: Well, there you go. Sean Paul Schaner. You know, sometimes, sometimes I worry if I casually start hyperventilating just to see, I'm going to bring up something and, have to call my dad and apologize don't just hyperventilate without a guide is what i'm saying i thank sean for coming on i thank you for listening and i think every day we can still breathe breath seems boring on paper not anymore talk to you soon